The Apostles' Creed starts big, like really big. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And so we think about that for just a moment, and we can feel swallowed up by its bigness. But you know, the Apostles' Creed ends big too. I believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And you know, sometimes we can feel swallowed up by that too. I ran into my good friend Jeff on Monday evening. We were in journey group together and I hadn't seen Jeff since I'm home from the sabbatical. And so we just gave a, a loud, joyful hug. Um, and as we stepped away, he kind of gives me this sideways look and says, man, you look like death warmed over. I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> and then I be began to share with him, you know, like, man, life's been coming really hard and fast, burning the candle at, at both ends, um, not getting enough sleep. I didn't have time to say much more because uh, I had to rush off. I was like, well, got to go to a meeting. I'll see you later. After the meeting that night, we were done at nine. Um, I, I drove my wife, Chan, to, to Winston-Salem uh, because she was starting a, a job the next morning in Winston-Salem. And we're sharing a vehicle now. And it's, it's a long story. Um, we get to Winston-Salem at one o'clock in the morning. We sleep for a few hours. We get up early. I, I get her to work. And, I, and I'm sitting here in the truck um, outside the building, and um, I need to go. I, I need to, to come back to Waynesville. Uh, there's just so much to do. Um, the, the primary thing is to finish writing this sermon and film it. Like, Nick was waiting for me. Like, as I was sitting there, um, I felt like death warmed over. And, like, you know, all I wanted to do was just kind of be on the couch in a fetal position with my blankie, you know, um, but, I, but I couldn't. I had to go. And then I thought, you know, it would be nice to, to just spend some time with the Lord, um, to, to op open my Bible, light my little candle, and burn my little incense, and I, c I couldn't do that either. Like, I had to go. And then I remembered um, my app on my phone, uh, Pray As You Go. And so before I pulled out of the parking lot, I just popped my phone in there and, and I hit the play button and I've told you about Pray As You Go. It's an app that um, you listen to and it starts with some kind of great song um, that these folks have chosen and then there's a scripture reading and that's kind of like the heart of it. Like there's a passage of scripture and some cool British talking guy or gal will, will read it to you and then there's some, some guiding questions. It's a prayer time and so I, I, I clicked on it for, you know, for today. Um, and I couldn't believe it. It's like I said, you know, in the sermon last Sunday, when we were talking about the fact that we believe in the Bible, and the Bible is this the source of what we believe and, and our convictions and our doctrines and all, and how it's living and active. And you know, I said how it's uncanny sometimes, how you can just open up the Bible randomly and, and what's on that page can speak to you or the devotional book that you use. Uh, like somebody may have put that book together and chosen a scripture for you for any particular random day, years ago or even decades ago, and it's like 
perfectly what you need in that moment. And so I'm driving out of the parking lot, and even as the song is playing, I begin to have this sense. And then the cool British guy begins to read the scripture. And you know what the scripture was? <laughs> it was the one for my sermon. And I just started crying, kind of like I am now. Uh, the story, the story of, of Zacchaeus and the, the questions as I was driving down I-40 heading back to Waynesville. Like then the, then the, the woman says, hey, Zacchaeus is trying to see who Jesus is, but he's too short to manage. Uh, he does what's needed to get a good view. Is there something that makes it difficult for you to see Jesus? It was just this invitation into my relationship uh, with, with Christ. And then there was this question. Uh, who is Jesus for you? She says, you know, Jesus doesn't hesitate to enter into to Zacchaeus' space. He always comes to us where we are. Who is Jesus to you? And I just started crying. And, and I know that I was crying because I knew in that moment that Jesus had come into my space, in this space, and that in this place where I was feeling stressed and tired and exhausted, um, I knew that I wasn't alone. But then I was also weeping in my truck because I remembered in answer to the question, who is Jesus to me? Like, Jesus is my Savior. I, I remembered uh, years ago weeping at Jesus' feet for the first time because the, the, the grace and the mercy of Christ washing over me and um, for forgiving me of, of my sin. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing like that experience and, and that power. Um, and the salvation that Jesus brings me and that Jesus brings us, it's not just saving me from myself. It's not just saving me from my sin, but it's actually saving me from from a decaying body and from, from death. Like we believe in the forgiveness of sins, but we also believe in the resurrection of the body and life that doesn't end. And my favorite story in the Bible that gets to this, it's a resurrection story. You've heard me tell it at countless of our memorial services and funerals, but it's uh, the disciples are huddled up. It's Luke chapter 24, they're, they're, they're huddled up and they're afraid. Um, Jesus has been killed, but he's also, there's these stories of him being resurrected, and he shows up, and they're freaking out, and they think he's a ghost, and Jesus says, you know, I'm not a ghost. Touch me and see. It's like a bodily resurrection. That's the, the, the confession that we make. That's the belief that we cling to. Like, Jesus' scars and wounds are still there, but, but it's a real body, and, and he invites them to, to hold him and to touch him, and and then he said, hey, have you got something to eat? Like it's a body that's even hungry. This is resurrection body. Um, and they're just amazed and they're in wonder uh, at, at this mystery and at what's, at what's going on. But then if you, if you keep reading, he sits down and he starts to tell them. Um, he, he opened the scriptures to them. That's what it says in verse 45. He opened their Bible and opened their minds to understand them. And this is what he said. Thus it is written, the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead, and on the third day, um, on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in His name to all nations. Like that's what Jesus uh, says to them in these final moments. Like repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed everywhere. 
I had lunch with Bill Humphreys the other day, and um, I met Bill in prison years before I became his pastor. Uh, we were both outsiders going inside to spend a weekend with 42 um, participants in a, a Kairos weekend. A Kairos weekend is, um, you know, it, um, sharing the gospel for, for days um, with, with these folks in the maximum security prison in Marion. At our lunch, Bill reminded me of forgiveness night. Like we've shared the story of Jesus uh, in all these sessions. We've, we've sung songs and we've eaten meals together and uh, with a lot of hardened people. Uh, the stories that, that, that we hear these men tell, sometimes they, they're bone chilling. And Bill reminded me of forgiveness night. We kind of lead up to this. They have an opportunity to, uh, to write things on a piece of paper. Uh, it's one of those pieces of paper that dissolves when it touches water and there's this big bowl in the front of the room and one by one, uh, these men come forward with their piece of paper and they watch this sin or this thing, uh, this burden, this chain just dissolve in the water. And it's one of the most life-changing things I've ever seen. The Spirit of God is just there. It's like the forgiveness that happens. There's, there's f freedom uh, behind those bars. And you know, as I, as I think about that and, and remember that, I, I also know that we need that too. Like we might not be behind those bars, but we're behind something. We're like Zacchaeus. There's this, this thing that's keeping us from seeing Jesus. And, and he was curious. Who is this man? Is he really a friend of sinners and tax collectors? It's important for us to remember what, what Paul says uh, in his letter to the Romans. I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, Jesus says in this story, one of our takeaways is that um, the Son of Man has come to seek out and to save the lost. It's like Jesus came into Zacchaeus' space. Jesus comes into our space. And His heart is set on setting us free, on redeeming us, saving us, uh, forgiving us. And Zacchaeus experiences that. It's, it's a powerful story. But one of the things that we notice in the story, after Jesus has spent the day in Zacchaeus' home, is that Zacchaeus' salvation, although it is very personal, it's a personal salvation, um, it is not just that. Like, his salvation bears fruit. Not only is he saved, not only is his household saved, but so are the poor. So are all those who have been defrauded by them because he makes reparation. Fred Craddock says in his commentary, um, repentance is not just a matter of the heart. Uh, repentance bears fruit. 
So uh, on the sabbatical, um, I, I found a book by Bishop Desmond Tutu and, and his daughter, um, and, and it was a, a book on forgiveness, the fourfold path to healing ourselves and the world. And, and right in the beginning of the book, actually in the introduction, uh, he tells this story, uh, an experience he had as chairperson of uh, the, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa. Um, in, in the midst of um, uh, South Africa uh, wading through the impact of apartheid and, uh, and all that. So he's in the room and um, people are sharing their, their testimonies. Um, this woman spoke with the precision of a coroner as she talked about the wounds. Uh, she says in the upper part of the body, um, there were just all these wounds. 43 total in his whole body. Her husband, Cicelo, uh, had been murdered. Uh, but but uh, prior to that, the torture was horrific. Uh, different uh, types of stab wounds, uh, acid being used, poured on the face, a hand missing. She still doesn't know what happened to the hand, and Bishop Tutu is just sitting there in this wave of horror and nausea is, is overcoming him. Um, the now 19-year-old daughter um, begins to, sh to share next. She was eight years old when her father was murdered um, and she described the, the, the anger and the grief, the, the harassment, all of the horrific things that followed in the, in the aftermath of that. Her younger brother was only three at the time. She wanted to know uh, who had killed her father. She says, my brother and I, um, we want to know who killed our father. And Bishop Tutu said he was um, stunned and amazed at what she said next. We want to know who killed our father because we want to forgive. We need to know who to forgive. You know, I need to receive forgiveness from God, but I also need to give it. But sometimes I can't. I can't see beyond my anger um, or, or, my, or my pain, uh, my need for revenge. I'm always reminded of, of uh, what Frederick Buechner said. Uh, he says, of all the deadly sins, resentment appears to be the most fun. To lick your wounds and savor the pain you will give back is in many ways a feast fit for a king. But then it turns out that what you are eating at the banquet of bitterness is your own heart. The skeleton at the feast is you. Nadia Bowles Weber is a Lutheran pastor, I think in the, the Denver, Colorado area. And she wrote a book called Pastrix. And in this book she raises the question, what if forgiveness, rather than being some pansy way of saying it's okay, was actually the wielding of bolt cutters, snapping the chains uh, that link us? She says, in all fairness, this is probably what really got Jesus in trouble all the time. Like, like Jesus went around forgiving people and telling them that they were forgiven. Like Jesus went around freeing people 
Like he was literally cutting them loose. And you know, sometimes that can be threatening. And so she, she tells this story about her friend Don. Don, um, who was also a Lutheran pastor, agreed to officiate the funeral of Dylan Klebold. And so he lost his job. Um, he had to leave the church uh, because he officiated the, the funeral service for Dylan Klebold, whom you may remember was one of the Columbine shooters. Like Don had the gall to believe that the promises God made to Dylan at his baptism were more powerful than the acts of evil that he committed. Like Don wasn't saying that what Dylan Klebold did was okay but he was defiantly proclaiming that evil is not more powerful than good and that there really is a light that shines in the darkness and that the darkness cannot, will not, and shall not overcome it. You know, we believe a lot of things. We believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. And we believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And that life, it begins today. It begins with me. And it begins with you. Let us pray. Gracious God, I pray that you would meet us in this place. You always are moving in our direction, and I, and I pray that you will do so today, in this moment, in such a way that we'll know your presence. That we'll know your grace and your mercy washing over us. That as your Spirit convicts us and brings hurtful, painful, sinful, revengeful places in our hearts, that we'll know there's nothing that can separate us from you and from the love that you have for us, the love that, that forgives us and frees us and snaps the chains. You are God who makes all things new, and our prayer is that today you'll begin with us. Help us to receive forgiveness. And God, I pray that you uh, would help us to recognize our need to forgive that you would give us the miracle we need, extend it, and to find life today. We pray that you would bind us to you and bind us to each other, that as we uh, live into these convictions that we hold dear and these uh, creeds that pass through our lips, that we'll discover in real time your kingdom together in this place. Amen.